This is the Soft Plastics Beginner Series Brim for the Level 1 Angler. I'm your host, Shroom. Welcome, ladies and gents. I've got a couple of things on the agenda today. I'm going to be answering a question from a viewer relating to snagging and also I'm going to delve into the topic of scents, whether to use them, are they effective, just some things to help guide you in making a decision. All right, here we go. So first question, just going to put it up here and it goes accordingly like this. This one was sent in by DWS Luong and he says, love the content, podcasts on Spotify, keep it up. My question, fishing, plastics, slash lures, do you get snagged a lot? Uh, if so, do you just lose the lure plastic? Any tips, techniques to get it unstuck? or just the reality of fishing with lures. So the distinction between fishing with lures and fishing with bait, you can get snagged with both types of fishing. So there's no difference really in terms of whether it can happen or whether it doesn't happen. You're going to get snagged if you fish, regardless of whichever path you take. You do get snagged probably a lot more in certain situations fishing lures because you're trying to cast into snags you're doing repetitive casts as well so i think that probably i mean it would be safe to say that if you're going to be casting with that sort of strategy you're probably going to come stuck more so than not and so in a way it is a fact and one of the negatives that you're going to have to address now do I get snagged a lot? I would say that I get snagged a lot less than people because I have some tips and techniques that do work in getting unstuck, unsnagged. Uh, these aren't foolproof and I'm going to go right into how and what I do to retrieve my plastic. But let's say that if I get snagged, I do have... In, in, a, in a lot of situations, I have belief that I'm going to be able to get it back. Now, that faith may be misplaced, but it also greatly depends on where you're casting as well. Some areas, the snags simply will not allow you to retrieve your lure. And some places, the snags may seem as though you're not going to get your lure back, but with a bit of persistence, you can get it back. So, first part of the question, yes, I get snagged and it does happen uh, relatively often, uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't get it back. And if you lose your plastic and your jig head, you kind of have to accept that it's a part of fishing regardless whether you're fishing lures or baits. Now, some of the things that are available to you once you get snagged in enabling you to get your lure back, firstly, the most obvious one is pulling the lure back in the opposite direction. Now, most of the time that's not possible, but wherever it's possible, sometimes if you're on land and you cast, say, toward your left-hand side and you snag up, well, you can walk toward that left-hand side and pull it back from the right-hand side. And that is a very high percentage play I'd call it because a lot of times you will get it back pulling in the opposite direction. 
not guaranteed. But I'll say that a lot of the times if I'm able to pull from the opposite side, I have quite a lot of confidence that I will get it back. Let's just put a percentage on it. It's at least over 50% chance, probably more than three quarters of the times that I get snagged and I'm able to pull it directly from the very opposite direction. It will come back without a fuss. Number two, these days on the market, there is a tool called a tackle back. Now, the tackle back tool is some sort of weight where you attach to your line and then it slides down your line and the velocity and the weight of it pretty much falls on top of the lure and dislodges it in the opposite direction. Now, this technique here, I've only used a few times, but I wouldn't say that this is something that I would employ. It's a bit too fussy. I'd rather just take my chances and you know, try to do conventional whipping and pulling to see if I get it back. So this one here, some people may use, maybe if you have a hard body that gets stuck, this might make a little bit more sense. But to me, I don't bother with this second technique here. And speaking about using tools, this is a little bit more effective if you're on on a boat as well. So if you're on a boat or on a kayak, you can pull from the opposite direction much more easily than on land. But, you know, as this is a beginner series, most of you guys are just going to be on foot in your local waters and finding that as you come to terms and grips with what lure fishing is about, you know, all the things that we've talked about in all the previous episodes, the repetitive casting, getting control of your line, you know, line slack, enabling action on your lure with hops and lifts, you're going to come across situations where you're going to snag more often than not. And so this is definitely one of the big, big issues. And yeah, yeah, pulling the opposite direction, number one, number two, tackle back tool, but it's not the one that I use. And number three, this is another technique that I use and I call it Well, I don't know if it's got a name, but you know how a lot of people kind of just start whipping it? Well, what I like to do is I like to do what I call a bow and arrow flicking technique. I flick it like a bow and arrow or a guitar string. And how I do that is I load up the rod. So, let's say, okay, let's start again. Start again from the beginning. So, we're snagged up. It's tight. You've done a few, you know, whips on the rod and you you felt that it's definitely lodged in there. The next thing to do is to, if you haven't lodged it in too deep, apply pressure so that you've got quite a bit of tension as though you're fighting a fish of sorts. So it's all taut. And what I do with my opposite hand is as it's still loaded, I grab the line just in front of the spool and I pluck it like a guitar string. Now, this technique may not seem like much, but it actually works extremely well. Extremely well because I would say that half the time you will get your lure back. If you get really good at this technique, half the time you get snagged, you can get your lure back, you can get your jig head back, you might have to retie you know, your terminal knot because it's been a bit scuffed in the snag. But the way that it works is... This technique, as you pluck the string, sends a strong vibration through the line and it goes, it travels through the water and then it hits the jig head. And what that does is it vibrates 
And when you start vibrating that jig head, so you might have to do this repeatedly half a dozen times, a dozen times, maybe a couple of dozen times if you really don't want to retie that leader knot and you really need that lure back. At some stage, it will probably dislodge the lure from the snag and then you can just wind it back in. That's probably the technique that I use the most, mostly because it's pretty effective and like I said, it doesn't guarantee anything here, so I'm making no promises, but I do feel like in a ballpark, you know, just a ballpark number, it's probably around half, give or take 10, 20% either side, depending on where you're fishing, you're probably going to get it back. Some days you get all of it back. Every time you snag with that technique, sometimes you don't get any of it back, but it is definitely better than just yanking it, which is what a lot of anglers do. Once they get snagged, they start like pretty much whacking the lure by lifting the rod repeatedly very quickly on the snag. Yeah, that does work, but bow and arrow flicking guitar string technique here is way more effective. Now, between the three techniques, I would say that do number one first, given the opportunity, pulling in the opposite direction. You can combo that with the bow and arrow flicking technique as well in the opposite direction. If you can't get across the opposite direction, then you're pretty much stuck with a bow and arrow flicking technique. And also, I probably should mention here that this technique scales accordingly to the weight of the lure or jig head that you're using. It's like an inverse relationship. So, if you're flicking 1 16th ounce jig heads with 2 to 3 inch lures chasing brim and whiting and so forth, it's going to be pretty good. But once you start using heavier jig heads, quarter ounces, three eighths, half ounces, the vibration sent back through plucking, it definitely is a lot weakened. The effect of that isn't as great. And so I find that it's less effective on the heavier stuff. It's just something to keep in mind. So hope that answers your question. There's some things that you could try next time you get snagged. Okay, now, as I look for the next question here that was sent in, if I haven't mentioned it yet, this is number 13 in the series. So, there's 12 prior series and number one, the first series, that's the one that's over an hour long that pretty much sets out everything. So, that's pretty much like the level zero angler where you absolutely don't know a thing about lure fishing and you really want to get stuck in. These ones here are more for the level one angler series is what I call it because you've picked up a rod, you've started casting, probably put in a few hours, caught a few things or maybe got a few bites but not really caught anything or you're just here to just listen to me <laughs> talk, I guess. Listen to me talk because you like the sound of my voice. Uh, for that, I thank you for that but otherwise, um, maybe this might help those that already know what they're doing to just brush up on their skills. So, ne next question right here is from Lucas T and he says, got a question, Shroom, what are your thoughts and views on scent? I have tried scent for a few months and I'm not, I am, okay, some grammatical errors, but I'm not 100% convinced that they work. All right, well, firstly... Let's say irrespective of what I'm going to be talking about, I'm just going to be talking about this in a really general sense. So, I'd like to firstly address the issue which is you don't believe 
that they work. And I think that's fair enough. I, I've got to be honest here. If you don't think that they work, they may not be working. That's the that's the truth of the matter there. Now, I think that... Okay, so how should I pretty much address this topic here? So, firstly, let's talk about scent in the general sense. So, scent is some sort of material, paste, liquid, spray that you apply to your artificial lure to give it some sort of attracting ability. And that's usually on smell and taste and sometimes it's visual as well. Hence why I use the word attractant. But usually it's more on the smell and taste categories, if that makes sense. Uh, Because a lot of the times they're using food items, you know, like bits of fish or, you know, garlic, aniseed, you know, stuff like that. But these days, a lot of scents also have maybe glitter in them or they're UV active, for example. So, there's some visual component to that as well. So, that's why, you know, like, Probably the word attractant is better used here. Now, I think that the nature of fishing being highly variable because there's just so many things that affect your success rate on any particular day that may greatly outweigh what the effect scent or attractant could enable. That kind of makes it hard for any angler to specifically say, ah, yes, I'm you know, I'm not sure that they work or I don't believe that they work at all because none of these are controlled studies. They're all just personal experiences, anecdotal evidences. You can't draw any scientific conclusion from that unless somebody's gone out and done a scientific study. And like I said, I'm just going to talk about this in a general sense. Someone's done some scientific studies, then they'll know the exact data from that. My view on this is that most scents on the market haven't been studied in a controlled scientific environment and, you know, ultimately what I'd like to see is that it is studied with actual scientists, it is published in a peer-reviewed journal and the data there stands alone and basically becomes fact. Right, So, that ultimately be what I'd like to see. I don't think anyone's really done that except for maybe S-Factor and Gulp. I could be wrong, but I I think those two put the time in. I know definitely I've read a lot about S-Factor being one of those scents where they do have the data to back up what they've said. But anyway, like I said, just going to speak on this in general terms due to the target audience in this podcast, which is for level one anglers. And that is scent may have a positive impact, a negative impact or no impact at all on your fishing. And I want you to feel that it is not the vital ingredient in why you may succeed or fail on any particular session. So, it ultimately boils down to if you think that it's going to help, use it liberally. If you don't think that it's going to help, don't use it at all. If you're still on the fence, Maybe use it sometimes, some casts and other times don't use it. I'm pretty much in the third category, although I believe 
that the scents do have a positive impact. So my approach to this is generally to use scent when I'm struggling because on those days I need all the help I can get. And I do believe it has a positive impact. Sometimes if I think that I'm in amongst groups of fish that I don't really want to catch, such as Taylor, then I'll I'll lay off the scent. And that's it. Hopefully that answers your question there. Um, I explained some of my thoughts and my stance on how I use scent. And if you watch all my videos, which most people here would, they'll know that I'm practically using two cents, S-Factor. And I'd also like to stress that it's important to note also that just because a scent hasn't been studied doesn't mean that it is not effective as well, which is why I encourage that general approach, you know, in that advice that I just gave that if you think that it's giving you a benefit, then continue to use it. Because ultimately, I can't just come out and now say that, hey, your scent just doesn't work. You're wasting your time. I don't know that. So, I haven't done the study. I don't have the evidence. And how's that saying go again? The absence of evidence is not evidence of absence as said by, I don't know who it was. It was probably Carl Sagan or Edzard Ernst, one of those two, or maybe someone else. I think it's been repeated several times in the literature. Uh, but here I am using that phrase because it makes total sense here. All right. So, hopefully that helps regarding sense, some food for thought. And I'm going to wrap up number 13 in the series, soft plastic beginner series, brim for the level one angler. If you have any questions, shoot me a message on any of my social medias. If you want me to address that question on a podcast and if you enjoy this series and you want it to continue, I definitely welcome messages of support as well because it is hard to know how many people are listening in and if people want to continue to hear about this. I also have been pivoting back toward doing the guest-centric podcast as well. So, if anyone wants to come on and they want to share their expertise in anything relating to any species, go ahead and shoot me a DM as well because I'd like to hear from you. And this is The Shroom signing out.